They said we wouldn't come back. And by they, I think both Mike and I thought (laughs) the the sports detox had ended, but it did not. We are here. We took a a nice fall hiatus, um, but we are back. I'm Vaisalas. He's Mike Kasdan. This is the Sports Detox. We're back for episode 18 as we near the end of the, the 2019 year, the end of the decade. Um, and let's get right into it. First, Mike, how's things going? How's your how's your fall been? How's the last three months? Yeah, things are well. Like a phoenix, we rise. Uh, 18 is a good symbolic number. In the Jewish faith, 18 uh, means life. So I'm glad that the detox has life. And uh, yeah, it's been good being in this. Uh, I don't know what this, this, there should be a name for this place that we're in this in between the Thanksgiving and Christmas holiday. But things are, uh, the year is coming to a close and things are pretty good. Um, now I have a question for you that kind of goes on off of that topic, because I know like in Chinese culture, eight is a lucky number. 18, you're telling me is a very good number in the Jewish culture. I'm just curious, how do numbers become, um, significant? Like I know seven is big in Christianity. Um, how, how do you have any insight onto how that becomes a thing? I don't have insight into it generally, but I can say in Judaism, I know it well because 18, so each letter of the Hebrew alphabet also stands for a number. So the uh, the word chai, uh, which means life, uh, is, bro- is two letters, and one of them has a value of 10, and the other has a value of 8. So that's what makes 18 such a significant number. So if you're you know getting uh, giving someone a bar mitzvah present, uh, you usually do it in... Uh, in, in 18s, you know, 36 or 72 or so that's where it comes from. Uh, the 18, at least in the Jewish faith, as for everyone else, I can't speak for those, <laughs> but that's what I know. Well, that I, I guess cleared up a little bit. Uh, we'll have to get a numerologist, I guess, uh, sometime in the near future to kind of explain uh, the history of numbers. I've been really digging into that lately is just numbers, uh, food, like how foods become a thing. Like who was the first one to bite an onion and decide that would go good with food? Um, I have a weird and crazy life and my mind goes different places, Mike. But um, we're going to cover. Lots of, we do have a lot to cover. Um, we'll talk. We'll talk. We'll go right into it. I don't know if you're saying a lot to cover in sports, and you're getting me to be quiet about all this other stuff. But um, I take the hint. No, um, no, no, I'm saying in life there's a lot to cover, and right now we can talk about sports. But I'm also fine talking about onions. All right, now, now listen closely because you know who someone who has onions and has shown it every every week is Lamar Jackson. Uh, he. I don't think anyone expected him to have the season he had. I am one of the fools who drafted him and then traded him because I didn't think he would have the season he had. But we're not here to talk fantasy football and and commiserate. We're here because I know I think you have Lamar Jackson and still do. Um, uh, We're here to talk about the NFL. And um, who we talked about this a couple weeks ago just in text. Uh, There's only two weeks left or three weeks left if you include this, uh, this week. In the NFL NFL season, who do you feel is the team to beat, uh, and who do you like in the Super Bowl? Well, it's interesting. First of all, great transition with onions. Bill Raftery would be proud. Um, I think at this point in the season, um, over in the AFC, uh, it's hard not to make the Ravens the odds-on favorite. They have rolled over everyone. They've beaten the Patriots. Uh, they're rolling up huge points. Doesn't seem like anyone really has an answer 
for Lamar Jackson, and the defense is, as always, you know, stout and sturdy. Um, of course, that's a little recency bias and a little we just watched them beat up on the Jets, who are not very good. Uh, but they've really been fantastic, and uh, they can run the ball. Uh, they can throw it when they need to. And I know people say Lamar Jackson is a cheat code, and people like to say that, but my God, uh, he just broke Vic's uh, rushing record for a season. Uh, and there are a couple games left, and I think he's the maybe the eighth or seventh leading rusher in the NFL, uh, and he's also got 35 touchdowns. Um, so I think for me, in the AFC, it's the Ravens. Uh, we can talk about whether the Patriots uh, in their kind of annual, are the Patriots good enough phase, and then they come out and dominate people, but uh, that could happen. But uh, but right now, I'd have to go Ravens. The NFC, I think, is a little tougher. Um, there's a lot of interesting teams. Um, I, I've uh, in the beginning, I didn't quite understand the 49ers and why they were so good. But having watched them play a few times, um, I'm a believer. I think the the Garoppolo is the real deal. Kittle's the real deal. They can run the ball. They're physical. They're fast. Um, so, so to me, I would love to see a Niners Ravens Super Bowl. That'd be fantastic. Uh, but also can't count out teams like uh, you know the Seahawks, uh, also looking pretty good. Uh, of course, one of those two teams is going to be a wild card. Um, and, uh, so for me, those, those are kind of the cream of the crop. How do you feel about the situation? There definitely seems to be like a clear distinction between like the best teams and the really, really terrible teams. <laughs> and I think, and I think I like, I like your picks. I think either way you look at it, we're going to have a fun kind of at least AFC, NFC championship games and the Super Bowl. Um, and I think at this point, the Ravens have to be the clear cut, clear cut favorite. They beat the Patriots. Um, they've got two. They the two losses came early in the year, and no one seemed to find a way um, to stop Lamar Jackson. And when you look at like Lamar Jackson's numbers, the thing that sticks out to me isn't really like the rushing, the rushing yards or the passing yards. Um, it's the mere touchdown efficiency to pass passing um i think last night at one point he had 13 completions and four touchdowns which by by all measurements is ridiculous uh when you consider that for every three completions is a touchdown um so i think that has a lot to do with his ability his running threat he's he he broke michael vick's record for uh rushing yards in a season by quarterback a thousand yards rushing so um i love the ravens i think they're the team to beat the defense is amazing um and who knows what the patriots are going to do i mean they always end up in the super bowl i think they've been there the four out of the last five years five or the last six something like that um but they have their own issues um do we want to talk about the cheating? I think we should talk about the cheating. Cheating is always fun to talk about. Okay, and I don't think and we even got seem- to talk about cheating. Well, I, I, you know, I always, it always seems to kind of corner around the Patriots to begin with with the cheating. So, um, uh, for some reason or another, they were caught uh, filming the Bengals sideline. Um, which is really, really odd to me. But then again, it, it begs the further question, do they do this every week? And this is the first time they got caught. Uh, do you think this was a one-time occurrence or this is something that's been going on for years and this is the first time they did it so blatantly that they got caught? 
Yeah, I mean, I have to think it's been going on for a long time. And and this whole topic of cheating, you know, from the Houston Astros uh, situation, which is still shaking out in baseball, to, you know, back to Deflate Gate and the, the previous Patriots incidents of videotaping. I have to think this is something they do. And I think, you know, their fans, you know, people talk about, you know, going how it's it's competitive to go up as far as you can up to the line and push the envelope and kind of try and do everything you can to win, you know, and, and I get that. And, you know, in the baseball situation, to me, that's like, you know, people are really good at reading signs or seeing if someone's tipping pitches, but videotaping someone, you know, is a whole different thing. And, and it seems that, that the Patriots, this is now, you know, the third time that they've been caught. Uh, I, I can't imagine that they put something in place to take the Bengals, who are the worst team in football. Uh, and this is probably just something that they do uh, to get an advantage. And, uh, you know, I, I heard uh, a local radio personality talk about this cheating. He was talking about it in the context of the Astros. Um, but he was, you know, he had kind of a jaded perspective. He was saying, you know, none of these leagues have a real huge incentive to really do much about it. Because, you know, fans are going to come back anyway and watch the games and pay the money. Um, but to me, I mean, at least for this fan, like these types of things make a difference. Um, but, you know, I also appreciate that jaded perspective because, you know, am I going to stop watching football or stop watching baseball? Um, you know, if, if they don't take certain stern actions, you know, probably not. Well, here's the thing for me that that kind of paints a broader kind of scope for this. It's that I think that if there were caught cheating against the Bengals mm -hmm. how long has there been this some some sort of kind of either bending the rules or uh finding finding loopholes or you know cracks in in what is right and what it's wrong how long is this going on for because the idea that the Patriots have had a had 10 win seasons for 18 straight years uh was remarkable and now when you see this you're like well how remarkable is it and I didn't believe I, th I felt like Deflate Gate was a farce. I think that was that wasn't cheating. I think that was BS. But you know, we all know that Spygate was was a cover up, and that yep. there was more to that story. Um, so my question is: is like, how much is this put on the legacy of the Patriots? And the other thing is, it goes to a deeper idea that you know, there's a long thought of you know you know statement that uh if you ain't cheating you ain't trying mm -hmm. and i'm wondering if this is something that is just kind of ingrained in us to try and push the limits as fast as we can you talk about the astros and for for everything that the astros did and what they got caught doing um number one no one's talking about it anymore uh number two is you had almost every baseball uh, person, whoever covers it, whoever says stealing signs is a part of baseball. It's it's the the mechanism in which they use to steal signs, which was the problem. So you know it, it further further kind of intertwines this idea that if you can find an edge, you know you should take it. And and I want to know like. Is this a, a larger problem with sports? We talk about sports as this this grand, grandiose idea of teamwork and sportsmanship, uh, but we're seeing more and more that that it's not really that. There's there's so much the inner workings is not something that that we would want to teach our kids or or have them learn as part of sports. So it's hard to find that kind of that mixture of 
of the the good stuff, but but the bad stuff that continues to pop up. Yeah, and you know, I, I think you raised a lot of good points. There's a there's a lot to unpack, but I mean, first, I categorically reject if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Uh, I'm all about you know pushing and trying to get every competitive advantage and outworking the next guy and, and, and outsmarting the next guy and out preparing the next guy and, and busting your butt on the field. And I think those are all things that, that we teach our children in sports and that we admire when people do it well. Um, but there are clear lines here that are crossed and you ask, you know, if it taints your legacy. Uh, and the answer is yes. You know, to what extent I'm sure a Patriot fan doesn't want to hear it. Uh, they want to talk about how great Brady is and how smart Belichick is and, and, you know, Astros fans don't want to hear it. Uh, and I think it's quiet in that in, in that area now because they're investigating. Um, but of course, it taints your legacy. You, you know, you think about guys who did steroids, and we can talk about what a great player Barry Bonds was. You know, when he came up and he was thirty thirty and forty forty. Uh, you know, before his head got gigantic uh, and his physique changed late in his career. Um, but like him, you know, A Rod, you know, all those guys are are absolutely tainted, um, and I think with good reason. Um, you know, and, and, and I actually just just one more point um, on on lines. I mean, I, you know, pe- pe- people who play the game, they know where the line is. They know stealing signs with a video camera and relaying it to someone and relaying it. They know that crosses the line. Uh, I had the opportunity to talk to a Yankees prospect pitcher uh, a few weeks ago, Clark Schmidt. Uh, who's, who's, who was their, uh, their number one draft pick in 2017. And I asked him about the Astros thing. I didn't know if he'd want to talk about it. And he said, yeah, you know, it crosses the line. But he was talking about how good major leaguers are at, you know, looking at pitchers and seeing if they're tipping. And he said, you know, it's something that a lot of minor leaguers weren't good at. But when people came down who were rehabbing, who were major leaguers, it would take them like three pitches and they would nail exactly what the, what the pitcher was throwing next. But that's very different. You know, figuring out someone's tell in poker because you're savvy is very different from videotaping someone's cards uh, and then acting based on it. And I think people know where the line is. Yeah, and I think and 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 we'll move on to we'll move on to other things here in a second. But I wanted to ask you: so is is uh, Tom Brady still the greatest of all time in your opinion? Did you think he was the greatest of all time before this happened? Uh, how has that affected your overall opinion on Tom Brady, the football player? Uh, yeah, good question. I mean, I think he's he has to be considered one of the greatest of all time because of the way he's performed in all those Super Bowls uh, and because we don't know how much um, weight to give this, this – uh, uh, these allegations that they're videotaping teams and, and, and might know tendencies. Uh, so I guess in reality, it's hard to discount that legacy so much because we don't have information that would, that would, you know, that that's certain. Um, so I still think he's, he's, you know, in the top three quarterbacks. Um, but I think every time you talk about the Patriots, it's fair to bring this stuff up. Um, and, and I think they deserve that. And I'm fine with that. And of course I'm not a Patriots fan. Um, but you know, that's life. Uh, if, uh, if, if they aren't going to be have be stripped and have things taken away, uh, you know, there should at least be a sense of doubt that anyone can raise anytime they talk about other championships and say, well, yeah, but what about these numerous instances of cheating? Uh, 
uh, it definitely takes something away. How much is hard to say. I mean, what's your view on Brady and his legacy? I mean, like I said before, I, I really don't know what to make. How how much of an edge did they get if this was something that they did over an extended period of time? How much more, How much of an edge did they have? I mean, football is all about reading reading the play at the line of scrimmage, but if you know what the signal is being called – that gives you a leg up and makes it that much easier. You give any uh, a good quarterback, or in uh, Brady's case, great quarterback, uh, that much of a tell, and they're going to pick you apart every time. So, how much of I, I'm I don't know. I don't know what to think until we find out the full scope of this. If we ever find out the full scope, but I think it's something where you have to look and ask yourself the details. I um, ask yourself. How much did he know? How did it affect his play? We'll never get the answers. So I was a clear-cut Tom Brady is the greatest of all time just based on his winning, the Super Bowls, uh, the overall success he's had. Um, but now there's a lot of questions to be asked. So we'll just have to see uh, what's made of it. And the same goes for Belichick as well. You know, Belichick went from, uh, you know, a middle-tiered uh coach in Cleveland who is who knows maybe they turn things around there and he becomes a god in Cleveland to you know three three or four <laughs> years in New England creating this dynasty that has never been uh never been even close to uh matched in terms of the success that he's had at that level so you know I think there's question marks like you said I think it's a little different than Bonds because Bonds was a Hall of Famer before uh he his his body ballooned up. Um, but I do think it, 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 yep. it brings questions into the, the overall legacy that they have. Um, and, and how far the NFL pursues this, right? If the NFL tries to sweep this under the rug, then we never know. And Brady and Belichick go on to continue their legacy. Uh, but if the NFL pursues this, maybe there's something bigger and, and, and greater that, that we have yet to see. So, uh, we'll just have to wait and see, um, and I don't think we answered any of those questions, but, um, I think it's a wait and see approach that we'll have to see. Um, uh, the giants on the other hand did not take a wait and see approach with Janoris Jenkins. You're in New York. Uh, what's your take on the giants decision to, to cut ties with Janoris Jenkins with two weeks left in the season? Um, yeah, look, the guy is a punk and a low character guy. Obviously it's frustrating as a giant fan. I'm surprised that they did it uh, with a couple weeks left in the season. Um, I, you know, some people are pointing to instances a few years ago where their punter had the domestic violence thing and they didn't act on it. Um, to me, what, what this underscores is that character matters. And I think it's interesting. A lot of times in the, especially this happens in the NFL draft, you know, someone who's really talented. And I, and I think of like Tyreek Hill, uh, super talented guy, fast, skilled, um, and, you know, has some stuff happen in college. He had a domestic violence situation or someone steals something or so does something that reveals their character. Right. And they drop in the draft um, and then you pick them up um, and someone says, oh, they got such a steal because he's such a great player. And to me, like as I get older and the more I look, when you look at the big picture, um, in the end, character matters. Um, and and I know Janoris Jenkins wasn't drafted by the Giants. He was, but he was a big signee. Um, and you know, in the old days, uh, the Giants of old used to talk about 
you know, high character guys and giant guys. And look, I don't know if that was more of a myth, you know, many things we like to talk about mythologies, you know, America likes to think of itself in in ways that don't necessarily square with reality. So even the old giants, right. We had Lawrence Taylor and he had some issues, but, um, you know, to me, that's what it underscores. In the end, you, you need to draft high character guys. And in the past few seasons, we basically gave away Odell Beckham Jr., supremely talented player who was immature. Um, and they're now giving away Janoris Jenkins. And uh, I think it hurt. But I think uh, personally, I don't want guys so like that. So let me ask you team. this. Uh, I think there are a lot of fans. Let me ask you this. Yeah, go ahead. If Janoris Jenkins isn't on the injured list after getting injured against the Eagles, does he get cut? If the Giants are are uh, in the playoff hunt, do you think they cut him if Jenkins is a, is a player? Because we've seen you brought up uh, Josh Brown, the former kicker for the Giants, and the multiple uh, instances of domestic abuse where the NFL was involved and the Giants knew about it. Uh, you look at other players in the past who've had – uh, character issues that that were well known. Um, if they're in the playoff hunt, do they cut ties, or do they just say, or they just try and see if it disappears because they're in the playoff hunt? Yep, it's a lot easier to do when you're when you're tanking and nothing really matters, and you're probably going to clean house and get rid of him anyway uh, because of his salary. It certainly makes it a lot easier to. Uh, to, to make that decision. And I think you can point to a lot of NFL teams who, uh, whose decisions are more driven from the on the field talent and tolerating a lot of off the field behavior. Uh, you know, that isn't great. So it's a good question. I, of course we, we can't know the answer. Um, but there's a lot of examples of, of teams sticking with players uh, because they like what they do on the field uh, and tolerating them for longer in different situations. And the giants are one of the worst teams in football. Uh, they're going nowhere. And so they may have just said, look, we're going to cut ties with this guy. This also did involve a situation with a fan makes the franchise look bad. He had the opportunity to apologize. And I think that's kind of the thing, Um, you know, and I saw that he tweeted after they released him. This is the best. Yeah. I was going to say, and I think that kind of speaks, uh, is most of the time you'll get those fake apologies. And the fact that he didn't even do that thinks that he, he wanted out. Like you, most right. of the times, like they'll, they'll give a, a, if anyone was offended, I think so. you know, I'm sorry, which isn't really apology, but that's the go-to apology. Um, so the fact that he didn't even uh, try and do that tells me number one, he wasn't remorseful and he didn't really care if the giants cut him or not, which is, I think speaks volumes to why he did tweet that afterwards. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think I think it actually reminded me a little bit of uh, of the Antonio Brown situation with Oakland, where it just kept you know kept escalating. He had the he could have apologized, and then you know you go online and say a break of hurtful things, and you get released. And these guys say, "Ha ha! Now I can go sign somewhere, uh, and you know in a better situation for millions and millions of dollars." But uh, and I think they're and also I think I'll proving say this. themselves I think to Janoris be a Jenkins cancer. will get signed somewhere else. I think there's no denying that. Um, he's still a, uh, he's still a serviceable cornerback. Um, and I don't think this will be something that sticks with him. Uh, but I'd really like people to get, I, you know what my hope, my new year's hope is that 
professional athletes and any any person national prominent national figure learns how to apologize correctly <laughs> that's that's what i hope i hope that we 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 turn away from these Not ideas hard. of if anyone was offended um i apologize or like that runner this is sports related i guess that runner who slapped that reporter on the butt and he said oh if i saw her face I may oh have, God. you know, stopped or something. And even then he wouldn't apologize. And I just think like how hard, why is it so difficult for people? I, I mean, that's a longer question, but I, I just would love to see somebody remorsefully apologize on the first go around rather than messing up the first time, trying again the second time and still wiggling. Like, ah, uh, it, it just drives me nuts. And, and that's my pet peeve. <laughs> It is, it is. I agree. As a, as a, as I think a grown up human, it's shocking and upsetting that people are so bad at this. Um, and uh, yeah, but I think it's, it's its own big topic. So, so in 2020, we can cover how to apologize the right way. I love it. Uh, numerology uh, I mean, and various food I, items. I was but can trying, we talk about Garrett I, Cole? I thought I could maybe get to the f- through through the full 30 minutes without without you really just. Just fanboying out on the Yankees signing uh, the prize prospect. When's the last time the Yankees went out and got the top free agent? It's been a while, I feel like. You know, they yeah, with and, with uh, on the pitching CC side, they what, did it with CC. They struck ago? fast, and they gave him a big contract. Contract and Tanaka. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I mean that. It was in two thousand eight, Yankees, right before the two thousand nine uh, offseason moves. Yeah. Absolutely, you know they've. I'm so excited to get Garrett Cole, and I think it's, look they've wanted this guy forever. They drafted him out of UCLA, I think, in two thousand eight. Uh, he chose to go back to school, and then and then uh, was drafted by, by the. Uh, by the pirates. They tried to trade for him. He's been on the radar forever. He's a horse. He's built like a Clemens or a Ryan. His, his stats and makeup seem impeccable. He's never been hurt. Um, I think it is incredibly risky to sign pitchers to these long-term deals. And that does make me a little crazy, just, just naturally. And, and the numbers figures just are mind boggling. Um, but, um, you know, the Yankees went through a long phase, like the Steve Balboni, Ken Phelps years where, you know, they didn't have pitching and they signed kind of old aging veterans. They used their money unwisely. Uh, they traded prospects all the time. And I've been so excited. They built a great farm system. They built a great core with the baby bombers. And to be able to come in and target your guy and be what they think is one piece away and sign that legit ace. Um, to, to, to hopefully, you know, give you the last piece of the puzzle um, while, while taking it away from their arch rival, uh, the Astros. Well, we shall see uh, what happens. Uh, pitchers start throwing, what, in February? I will say the one thing I've seen on the yeah, West Coast yeah, is end of February, the Dodgers March. Yep. Uh, continuing uh, to strike out on the free agent market. Um, and for some reason, um, with the three pitch minimum going out and getting uh, a middle reliever, seems like it shouldn't be that much of a prized, uh, a prized uh, free agent get. But that's who the Dodgers have picked up so far. Um, 
So we'll see what happens. There's there's talk that they're going after Arenado, um, and we'll 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 see what happens. Uh, the hot yeah. stove, as they say, during the owners' meetings, it's happening. Um, that's our time. Uh, that thirty minutes went by quick. Um, but we will be back again next week. Maybe next week we'll do some all decade teams. What do you think about that? As we run down the year. I like that idea. We're coming to the end, end of the aughts and, uh, yeah, no, I think the, uh, yeah, I, I, the whole decade ending thing crept up on me. So I Sounds think doing good. some all decade uh, stuff well, is a lot of fun. Let's well, do it until before, next time uh, for the Christmas. I'm by Salas. He's Michael Kasdan. This is the sports detox. The mad style, so step off the Frankfurter. Yo, Fife, you remember that routine? That way you still make spiffy like Mr. Clean. Um, um, a tidbit, um, a smidgen. I don't get the message, so you got to <laughs> okay. run the pitch. You're on point, Fife. All the time, tip. You're on point, Fife. All the time, tip. You're on point, Fife.